This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. For the cheeseheads who want it fresh... And the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral. This is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And we are here today to preview week seven. Packers traveling to FedEx Field to take on the Washington Commanders with a 3-3 three and three record. Perry talked about it a little bit pre-show. How you feeling going into this matchup on Sunday, um, knowing where the Packers are at in the season, knowing where the commanders are at in their season. Also, honestly, kind of can't believe we're already going into week seven of the I know, NFL when season. You said, when you said week seven, I was like, say what? <laughs> um, hasn't been the most fun start to the Packers season. I'm not going to lie. I don't know how I feel about this game. Commanders, obviously on paper, are as far uh, inferior team so you know the Packers should win but they are going to be on the road and they've struggled to win at FedEx Field in the past um it's Taylor Heineke not Carson Wentz which we also discussed pre-show and I just feel like Taylor Heineke is going to give them fits but how are you feeling about this game yeah I mean we said it right like you know who Carson Wentz is you know what he is and yes, he was, I mean, he looked kind of decent, honestly, to start the season. I think he was performing better than a lot of us anticipated that he would. But that said, Taylor Heineke poses a different challenge at this point because we saw Heineke last season at Lambeau Field, also in week seven, coincidentally. And uh, he's mobile, right? Like mm-hmm. he had 95 yards on the ground. He led both teams in rushing last year. So he poses a different threat than somebody like Carson Wentz would, who's just going to sit in the pocket. I think he's not going to do that. Yeah. I mean, the Packers have surprisingly been more effective against running quarterbacks this season than last year. So I'm hoping if they can even cut that 
rushing amount in half, then that's great. I'm actually more, I think when you look at this team, their strengths are obviously their defensive front. I think they're third best in the league at this point. So with the Packers offensive line struggles, like that's where I and probably everyone are looking, but this commander's offense also has weapons. If Taylor Heineke can effectively get the ball to his playmakers, the Packers have to deal with Terry McLaurin. They have to deal with Deami Brown, who hasn't been able to do much, but certainly has the tools to. They now have like one a top first round pick in Jahan Dotson. If he plays, it looks like he tweaked a hamstring, but if he plays, they have Curtis Samuel. They have um, Antonio Gibson, Brian Robinson came back. So it's not like this commander's offense is without its playmakers. I think it's just that their quarterback so far this season hasn't played well. So then you take out Carson Wentz and you put in Taylor Heineke, who I'm sure they'll simplify the offense a little bit for him, but I think he can probably more effectively get the ball, um, to all these guys. And that also is just something to watch for. Yeah, I think th- like this this Washington team has been kind of weird because they started the first two weeks putting up 28 and 27 points and we were like, okay, like this, you know, this offense is firing. Carson Wentz was playing really well. And then they lost three straight by putting up 8, 10 and 17. And then we saw them obviously just the the barn burner of a game we had last Thursday night, uh Washington at Chicago, 12 to 7 final. So it feels like this offense, you know, started really hot and now they're they're sputtering and Heineke could kind of be like that weird rejuvenation for this team where all it takes sometimes is like a tweak in your rotation to to make something happen and like we said a little bit ago, I mean Heineke's a different brand of quarterback than Carson Wentz is. So I think just, you know, in that element and the Packers, obviously they have a a head start at this point, game planning for Heineke. They've known it's going to be him basically all week. So it's different than expecting Brian Hoyer and then getting Bailey Zappi thrown in there at you. But it is, I mean, we've seen how they do against backup quarterbacks so far this season. So definitely something to watch for is one of the key factors, I think. Yeah. And um, I said it in the Jets show, and I'm going to repeat it for those who didn't listen to our recap show. Like, this is a must win for the Packers. Mm -hmm. Like, this is, you cannot, I'm not saying that their season is going to be over if they lose to the Commanders, but I think we're looking at this team very, very differently if they're leaving this week, um, three and four. Yeah, I agree. And I think part of it, too, is just, this is a defense that is very stout. Their front seven is one of the best in the NFL, um, especially that pass rush. They're, they will get after Rodgers. And I think this team really needs a kind of get-right game. Mm-hmm. And they haven't, you know, may, and the Jets and Giants could just be better football teams than we were expecting. Like, that's possible. Give credit where credit is due. Both of those teams right now are playing like playoff teams. So it's possible the Packers just got punched in the mouth which is something that we've talked about this season and haven't been able to respond but I don't necessarily see this Washington team being a team that's going to punch them in the mouth I think they'll put up some points you know I think it'll be you know a a contested game at at certain moments but this has to be a game that the Packers come out and take command of which is really funny I didn't mean to do that but (laughs) yeah they have to take command of this situation and Rodgers has to stay upright and they have to be able to run their offense effectively. And if they can't do that, that is going to be a disaster on Sunday. Yeah. I think that we'll see 
a different team come out. I mean, Matt LaFleur has talked about how the guys have had just a totally different energy this week and like a sense of urgency in the building. Um, they obviously know they need to make some adjustments. So we'll potentially see some kind of rotation on the offensive line. If not one guy moving to, um, we can hope that maybe they're moving out and back inside and there will be a new, uh, right guard in the mix because, um, there have been trouble. There has been trouble on the interior, but I think we're going to at least hopefully see the adjustments that we've been asking for on the offensive side of the ball and hopefully a continuation of some of the adjustments that Joe Barry made last weekend on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I put, I put this stat on Twitter earlier just because I was kind of surprised by it. Through six games so far this season, Aaron Rodgers has taken 15 sacks. Wow. And in 2021, he took 30 for the entire season. In 2020, he took 20 for the entire year. So we're six games in, and he's already halfway to his mark from last year and almost to the mark he took two years ago. So I'm not saying the offensive line is like the entirety of the problems for this offense because that's not that's not the case, but – when you look at, you know, the pressure that Rodgers has been under and the number of hits he took against the Jets, like how can you have a successful offense? How can you sustain drives? How can you even get your run game going if your offensive line doesn't hold up? So I, I really am curious to see what the offensive line looks like this week, um, what the moves they make are. Um, but I think silver lining for the offense at this point is that David Bakhtiari is starting to settle in and look like David Bakhtiari, which is awesome. If, if Packers fans don't listen to the Larry McCarron um, chalk talks and rock reports where he breaks down players. He mentioned that Carl Lawson went from being the Jets highest greatest defender going into the Packers game to grading out the lowest for their defense because he went up against David Bakhtiari all game. So really impressive stuff from him. We love a positive. <laughs> we, try. We, love, we try. We love a positive out of a loss. Um, no, it is great because that also allows the Packers to kind of do whatever they think they need to do along the line when it comes right. to their depth, because you don't have Yash, He's going to be like pigeonholed right into being the backup left tackle, depending on the rotation that they've been doing with him and David Bakhtiari. So we'll see what they do. We haven't heard anything, I think, out of practice about the way that they're lining up. Maybe that's a little bit of a competitive advantage or maybe they just don't know yet. Um, but I'm hoping for some help because, like you said, I mean, if Aaron Rodgers isn't upright, this offense isn't going anywhere. There's, right. It's like – 10 football 101 quarterback must be upright yeah I mean you can argue about you know the offense's use of motion all you want quarterback coach but if the the quarterback isn't upright to hand the ball off to the motion it really doesn't make a difference so no you ready showtime on May 3rd summer starts with the fall guy let's do it later let's drink a spicy margarita make some bad decisions yes Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. 
But other thoughts you have on the offense? I mean, they've got some good pieces in the secondary. They like to send their safety blitz. Uh, Cameron Curl already has one sack this season. But I think to me, that's like the thing for this Packers front is just taking care of of keeping Rodgers protected because yeah. I think they have five different guys in their front that have three or more sacks. And we know that they're littered with first round picks, you know, from yeah. the previous like five draft classes. So just if they can kind of negate some of that and minimize the impact of those front players, I think Rodgers will find some opportunities to pick apart the secondary a little bit. I can't even imagine what this front would look like with Chase Young. I know like the fact that he's not their, even here. their literal best player. It's just like insane to me. It's scary. Um, yeah, I mean that's the key, right? Is if you can keep Rogers protected, and I think not just what we're we're talking a lot about like pass blocking, but like you're gonna have to be able to run block well against this front too. Um, and we know that we want this offense to run through the running backs. We mm-hmm. want Aaron Jones to get more than like. 12 touches a game but we have to make sure that the run game is effective which means the offensive line is going to have to pass block well and run block well but I totally agree that if they're able to keep these pass rushers at bay this secondary is maybe I think more of the weakness on this commander's defensive side so as long as the guys on the Packers offense can run their routes properly um, not get held up not make any mistakes um, Rogers, I think it should be able to get them the ball pretty effectively. I wanted your thoughts on this just because I think it's really interesting. So knowing where we're at, obviously going into week seven, if I would have told you that Aaron Jones will have 532 yards from scrimmage total and two touchdowns on the season, what would your thoughts have been on that through six games? Not enough. The yardage, maybe, right? 532 yards through seven games is... It's like, okay. Okay, yeah, sure. And we know that they rotate with A.J. Dillon, but two touchdowns is absolutely not enough touchdowns for Aaron Jones, um, especially as someone we know who can get... Fi- he finds the end zone, right? He just has a nose for the end zone. So I think that probably speaks more to Packers' difficulties in the red zone this season and also just their ability for this offense to get to the red zone this season. But um, they're just going to have to find a way to get him the ball when they're down there more. Yeah, I did think the the attempts differential was really interesting. I didn't realize that A.J. Dillon actually led the team with 73 rushing attempts and Aaron Jones had 70. And I guess you could argue that, you know, Aaron Jones has three more receptions than A.J. Dillon, but they're really split, like 87-86 for touches for those two. So it seems like the Packers want them to be the focal point of the offense. They clearly touch the ball more than anybody else yet. We're not seeing the production there. So I, I'm hoping that's something that we can see, you know, whether it's just some creative play calling, some blocking up front. I think they'll answer some of these questions on Sunday. At least, you know, that would be the, the hope going into week seven. Yeah. Dan Orlovsky did a really interesting breakdown of some of the issues with the Packers. I don't know if you watched that video on Twitter, but, um, and he basically broke down that with some minor, not minor, cause it led to big issues, but basically one guy here or there on a play missing their block completely derailed mm-hmm. the entire play. Right. So it's, everybody not doing their 111th one person doesn't do their 111th and there were so many opportunities he had three examples where 
Rodgers could have either hit one of his receivers on a big play or there were two that he went through that where it would have been Aaron Jones with like open field. So the opportunities are there. Um, And we've been saying this all season, like they're just like one or two things away from being able to like break this offense open. And I think more importantly, like break Aaron Jones open. Uh, They really just need to get their blocking down. That's it. Yeah. And I think that's why like, I understand that there's this desire to hit the panic button because we're not used to a Matt LaFleur-led Packers team having three losses in October, right? Like that's not something that normally happens for this team until late November, early December when we're talking about 13 win football teams every year. Like it's it's weird for them to be sitting at 500 at three and three, but I still can't find it in myself. And, you know, I guess check back on Monday to see uh, if this changes depending, but I'm having a really hard time panicking about this team. And I still think that they're a playoff contender. I think that they can be because I guess I see the foundation and I think that there's room to build and grow off that. And maybe that's me being, you know, too optimistic about this, but it's like you said, there's just opportunities where you see flashes and yes, you want things to be more consistent six weeks into the season going into your seventh week, but it's a lot of little tweaks. I don't really see anything. I mean, the offensive line is the biggest issue to me, but I think if they can make the right adjustments, which I'm going to talk, I want to talk to you about with the defense and the, the adjustments that we saw against the Jets. They're in a good position to build off a lot of these things. And I think the foundation is there. They just need to start putting some things together. That's why I don't think that just going out and getting another receiver is going to like magically fix this offense because it's really, it's execution. You know, like if they had Chase Claypool out there on Sunday against the Jets, Nothing about that, the outcome of that game changes in my mind. Because, right. like, unless Chase Claypool is going to be out there, like, chip blocking Quinn and Williams, which he wouldn't be. Right. So, <laughs> I, I don't, while I'm not like all out on the Packers going out and getting another weapon, because hell, stack that room however you see fit. The woes so far have been like miscues on the line. And I think those, if I'm going to choose all of the issues that the Packers could have right now, like that's one that I find very fixable from an internal perspective. See, that's really interesting because I agree. Like, I mean, I said last week on the show, like, F it, go get OBJ, do your thing at this point. Like, if that's what you think part of the issue is on offense for the front office, then make the adjustments. But to me, there's a part of me that wonders if the move we see before the trade deadline is to bring in a right tackle. Yeah, And I think maybe, you know, I think Matt Schneidman was the one that said it on Twitter, but maybe these are all things that are happening in the building. But if the Packers wanted Yash Schneidman to play right tackle, I think we would see it by now. Or maybe they're getting him ready to start that. But if Yash is playing right tackle, you've got Elton in a pinch, but then your depth is kind of thin. And I think the Packers like having Yash as a security blanket at left tackle, knowing that Bakhtiari, Bakhtiari is still... You know, we think he's he's back, but should anything crop up? So in that same vein of like Jared Valdir, you know, Dennis Kelly. Yeah. Maybe that's the move they make. Maybe they go get a vet and to lock down the right side. Yeah. I mean, I get the idea of like, just move guys around. But like, you can't just switch from left tackle to right tackle. <laughs> it's like, hard. It's totally possible that Yash is simply just a left tackle. And that is perfectly okay. Right. He is a has proven to be a pretty solid left tackle. And I don't think he should like, it shouldn't be a negative on him. They can't just simply switch over to right tackle. It's really, really, really hard. 
Um, it's the same thing with people saying, oh, we'll move John Runyon to right guard. Well, can John Runyon Jr. play right guard? Like, can he just switch everything you do? It's like becoming a, if you're a righty, like trying to let right with your left hand, you know, like not everyone can do that. So I totally agree with you that the move that they make at the trade deadline may be an offensive lineman and it may not be flashy and it may not be exciting, but I think it would be probably the piece at this point that would help this team the most. Yeah. And I mean, I think too, like Yash had said it when they interviewed him in his locker earlier this week, it's not just like the way that you pivot in your stance or the way that you're protecting with your hands, but think about like the blocking scheme and all of a sudden, instead of running to your right, you're running to your left. Like you have to mentally flip everything that's happening when Mm -hmm. the play is called, if you go from left to right. And I think that's kind of the piece that some of us miss when we say like, Oh, well just put this guy here. Just put this guy here. And that's why when you find a guy like Lucas Patrick who played, you know, three spots on the interior when you had Elton Jenkins who could fill in anywhere in a pinch. And, you know, he's done a decent job at right tackle, but I think his best fit is along the interior and that's not a knock against him. It, it shows, you know, his ability to play anywhere, but yeah, I think that's, that's going to be the move. That's my, that's me calling the shot that I think they bring in someone to play right tackle. I think that's a very Packers move. So <laughs> I agree with you. And it's OBJ. They bring in OBJ to play right tackle. Great. <laughs> That'll go really, really well. Uh, all right. So let's switch over to the defense. Um, Cause I think, you know, I had mentioned earlier, a lot of the weapons that this Packers defense is going to have to contend with. I can imagine the commanders like leaning on their run game. Cause they also have a really nice one, two punch with Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. I love Antonio Gibson. I think he is such a fun player. I draft him. I have drafted him in fantasy every single year that he's been <laughs> in the league. Um, he obviously has not done too much. They also have JD McKissick. So they have a lot of, a lot of guys up there and look, the Packers run defense has again, been a little bit of their Achilles heel along with those crossing routes. So, I imagine that the commanders look, Ron Rivera is a smart coach. I think we also look at the commanders and we forget who's leading them. And I have like full confidence in Ron Rivera being able to game plan properly for this. Um, So that's kind of where I think that they're going to lead. Now, obviously we have to look and think about, you know, this hamstring issue with Jahan Dotson. Is that going to be a problem? But they still have scary Terry and Curtis Samuel, just a lot of pieces. I think that Joe Barry is going to have to pay attention to. Yeah, and I mean, I I don't know who made the adjustment. I mean, credit to Joe Barry, we think, for a lot of this, um, at least to be receptive to Matt LaFleur and maybe his coaching staff and some players saying, hey, we want to play more aggressive. But the production we saw from the Packers secondary against the Jets, I want to see more of. They played mm-hmm. more press man. We saw Jair shadow Garrett Wilson. The entire game didn't allow a completion. I think Wilson ended the game with like one completion for eight yards, and it wasn't when he was being covered by Jair. So... You know, maybe you put Alexander on Terry McLaurin. I would love game. that. I yeah, would like love that. Just, just see what happens. And I think that's, you know, that's where I'm going with the, the Joe Barry thing. Like whether it was his decision or not, it, it looked like it was working before the dam broke. So the, yeah. the passing defense, I think, isn't necessarily the problem right now. I think you could argue that they were one of the problems. Um, but them playing more sticky coverage is only going to help their front seven out as far as you know run blocking and getting pressure on the quarterback I think that this game could be a really big game for the Packers pass rush um I don't 
this <laughs> commander's offensive line doesn't have, you know, some of the weapons I think some other offensive lines have had, and I can see Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith kind of going to town. And especially if, you know, the Packers secondary is able to blanket some of these receivers, then it's going to Taylor Heineke is not going to be throwing into tight windows, you know, like he's, he's, and if he is, I think there's going to be opportunities for takeaways, but I think in conjunction of what we saw last weekend against the jets, like this Packers defense has another opportunity to really shut them down. Like we, at least we saw in the first half. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, it it's just nice to see, like we talked about a little bit earlier in the show, like the foundational things. And Jerry Gray, you know, had said in his presser, like, we're going to get this fixed. Jair Alexander before the Jets game said, we really like the plan that we're going to trot out. And yes, you can argue like that doesn't mean as much when the Packers lose. Mm -hmm. But the fact that there's more confidence in the room, like the guys are really buying in, like, I'm not sure Jair would have said like, hey, I really like the moves that we're making on defense in week three or week four, you know, like I don't think right. he would have said that about playing zone or like soft coverage. So the fact that he f was pleased with the plan that they had going into the Jets game on Sunday, I feel like there's, there's room for them to, to be excited about what is ahead for the defense. Yeah. He was also asked how he was feeling, even though they lost. And he was like, I still feel great about this team. So they must have still, and this defense deserves to have left the Jets game, even though it was a loss and feel like, you know, we of all three of the phases did everything we possibly could to keep us um, like in contention in this game. I want to see more plays on the ball. Like, I just feel like the ball hawking abilities of this Packers secondary have not been tapped into whatsoever. And maybe we will now that they're playing more man. Maybe they now that they get to be a little bit more aggressive, there'll be more opportunities for that. But like, one interception on the season going into week seven is like simply unacceptable when you have this much talent in that secondary room. And I just want to see them go for the ball more. Like I love a pass breakup, but let's get some takeaways. Like winning the turnover battle has been a huge, huge differential in past years for this Packers team and their ability to win. So I think this Packers defense, I don't want to ask more of them, you know, like they've stepped up enough this season, but I'm going to ask more of them. <laughs> yeah no and that's I'm glad you mentioned that because that's that's where I was going next is outside of the game against the Bears in week six you know this is a commander's team that tip that has given the ball up I mean they had three turnovers week one and still managed to beat the Jaguars but since then they've given up at least one you know turnover per game so this theoretically the Packers will have opportunities to take the ball away and Theoretically, they would also have some opportunities to protect the football and not turn the ball over uh, because yeah. this is a commander's defense that hasn't necessarily forced too many turnovers. I think they've forced or at least gotten three turnovers on the season. Yeah, I do think now that we're putting all the pieces, like laying all the pieces out on the table, I do really think that as long as the Packers don't get in their own way this week, which again is a little bit of a tall tale. Um, a big ask, I mean, asking them to do this after the way we've seen them play this season. But genuine, I think if they just play their brand of football, play a clean game, simplify, if you will, what they've been doing, but just play good football. Like you said, not perfect, not great. Just play a good brand of football. You can very easily beat this commander's team. Just the stupid mistakes and the way that they shoot themselves in the foot bad penalties, a turn, giving them the ball back. Like that's how you keep this commander's team um, hanging around. 
I would also just love to see the Packers on their opening drive score a touchdown. Yeah. I just think about what it would do for the defense. And, you know, the Jets first half was not like the defense played great. And but the offense couldn't get anything going. And there gets to be a point where we keep using this phrase, but the dam breaks. And at some point, like the Packers defense isn't going to give up zero points every game. So the fact that they gave up 17 and some of those were on special teams blunders where, you know, the Jets offense had short field to get through. If, if the Packers can go down and score and make it so this Packers defense is playing with a lead most of the game, that's where they thrive. And that's where I think we'll see them getting really aggressive and making plays on the ball. But if they just have to to try and protect the end zone because the Packers offense isn't scoring and they have to like do the heavy lifting to keep the Packers in this game, I think that's when they're going to run into trouble because there's going to be a point where they just can't hold anymore. Yeah. Get the ball first, go down and score first. Honestly, even a field goal at this point, I think just early lead at all totally changes the momentum and the mindset. I agree. So since since we're on that that kind of, you know, score prediction time, what do you think? Because every time we've predicted a score this season, it has been so absolute off. chaos and the commanders are I will help say that. I will say I have yet to predict a 30 point game because I don't I have not felt like they have been there yet so I agree um with myself <laughs> um <laughs> still don't feel that way <laughs> I still don't feel that way no I the Packers are gonna need a win like they're they're just they simply have to win this game and they have to put up points like they have to get to at least three touchdowns in this game in my mind for them, for them to feel good for us to feel better. Right. And I don't think that that's a tall order. So I am going to go like 24, 14. Okay. Mine was 24, 17. And that's because I've predicted them to win by more than they have. <laughs> and they've been closer games, more contested games, but yeah, I mean, I, I think Taylor Heineke is going to be a spark for the offense, but mm-hmm. I like the the trajectory that the defense is on. I think the offense knows that they have plenty to clean up and I'm just not ready to give up on this season. I'm not ready to declare anything a wash. I'm not ready to hit the panic button yet. I think, I think the Packers win on Sunday. I think we feel pretty good about the performance and then we'll see, you know, what the narrative is going into the bills game. You know, I I don't know if it'll be, I don't know if it'll be the prettiest win, but it's not, it's not, doesn't count any different when you win pretty. So I think at this point they just have to get their gritty wins out of the way and then, you know, keep building, keep keep stacking successes to use. I was going to say they need to keep building. There just needs to be like, even if it's incremental, there needs to be progress. I don't want no 10 point loss. All right. This Packers team is just simply better than that. I don't even want a field goal loss. You know, like I just I I think we're at the point of the season where. It's it's put up or shut up time. And I'm not saying that the Packers aren't like like I think they're they're capable of, of putting it up. And I think they're capable of putting things together. It's still a long season. We still have what, 11 games to play. Like, you know, anything can happen. We've got, we talked about it on the recap show. Both of the Super Bowl teams from last season are at three and three right now. There's a lot of contenders that are kind of on the bubble of what would be playoff time. So things are going to change a lot in the next even couple weeks, as far as the standings go. And the Packers just have to stay in the mix. Yeah, they do. All right. Must win game. Set it here. We'll uh, we'll be back Monday, and hopefully it's Victory Monday. <laughs> it's been a while since we've had a Victory Monday, so it'd be nice to end things on a high note. But 
This has been the Packs What She Said podcast. Thank you, as always, for tuning in and listening. It helps us out a ton when you subscribe to the show and when you download the episodes, so please continue to do that. We appreciate it very much. You can find the podcast on Twitter at PWSS Podcast, and you can find us anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts, including the Odyssey app. You can find us on YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter for those live recap shows at Packs What She Said. You can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. And you can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. So good vibes going into Sunday. Must win game for the Packers. We think they'll do it. Hopefully we are talking about how they did it on Monday. But thank you as always for listening to the show. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.